Hello, everybody. Hello. I'm excited today. I am too. I'm Casey. I'm Sarah. And we are Relatively Relatively Dark. Dark. I just rubbed my boob on the mic. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, these things. first thing, I couldn't find whether Bryce Laspisa could swim or if mm. his cell phone worked. So, that's just another unknown. Darn. And second, Deidre, I think she liked our singing of Ring My Bell oh, really? by Anita Ward <laughs> in the last nice. one. And she told me that that was her mom's jam. Really? When she was younger. And she listened to it so much, her uncle actually threw it in a field. What? Threw it away. <laughs> so I told her I had to share that with you because I thought that was funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is hilarious. I love that she gives you feedback on She these. does. That's every, awesome. Every week. We love you, Deidre. Are you ready? Yes. Today we are going to talk about quackery. Quackery. Yes. Quackery consists of dishonest practices and claims to have special knowledge and skill in some field, typically medicine. Mm-hmm. Think back to old things that were done that make no sense now. Exactly. We are not going to talk about everything because there's a lot. There's no way. All of my content for this episode comes from the book titled Quackery, A Brief History of the Worst Ways to Cure Everything. <laughs> I recommend it. Um, it's not just factual. Um, it's not worded in a boring way. The author's of this book have made it quite amusing and entertaining. Awesome. I love that when um, they put that in there because then you're just not like... <sighs> yeah, you're not reading just like a... What do they call it? Um, feature article. <laughs> yes. It's not just... I don't know. You don't know? Remember in elementary school you had to write a feature article? It was just... Oh, good grief. Facts. Okay, anyway. I block that stuff out. It doesn't read like a documentary or, documentary or monotone. Right. It's really entertaining. I'm excited. Let's get it. Okay. Um, the section that this is coming from is the section of tools. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, this doesn't come from the book as far as I read. To better understand why they thought these would work, I'm going to tell you about the theory of the four humors first. Four humors? Yes. Okay. Real quick. Yes. um, It is raining outside and there's a little bit of thunder. So if you hear that, just enjoy the ambiance we have created for you today. Continue. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) anyway (laughs) so this theory claims that a person's health their mental and physical health along with their personality was affected by the four humors okay it was developed by greek physician hippocrates from which we get the hippocratic oath so these four humors were blood phlegm yellow bile and black bile lovely so if someone was sick or acting out of character mental illness and stuff they blamed it on these fluids being out of balance Mm-hmm. So, in other words, too much or too little of one or the other, or at least one. So, nothing to do with the brain? Um, no. You know, they did end up discovering that the brain is, yeah. affects that but stuff. But nothing that's in, like, just something within the brain itself is yeah. not right. Yep. A lot of these is like, okay, well, something's out of balance here. <laughs> Flush <laughs> Let's it out. this off and see that helps. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> And I do want to also point out along the way that a lot of these um, treatments, so-called, became a cure-all at the time Mm -hmm. for everything, or so they thought. That is not surprising at all. So, the first one we're going to talk about, I'm putting this one first, is because it's probably the most Mm well-known, 
is lobotomies. I was wondering if that's going to be the first one. <laughs> so it actually started as cutting away a square piece of the skull called trepanning. Trepanning, I think. It's really hard to say. <laughs> it doesn't sound right anytime I say it. Anyway, during this procedure, the brain wasn't even messed with at first. Oh. So this wasn't actually a lobotomy, but this is kind of where it came from. Okay. This was considered the oldest surgery that was performed. Um, I have no idea when this was first done, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, we're talking overseas, places like Greece, Rose, Rose. Greece, Rose? Greece, Rome, and China, and way before Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Yes. Like, I mean, it this took, was... It took, my, it took my little brain half a second, but wow. So some of the reasons why they did this, a couple of them weren't actually that bad. They actually made sense. One was to remove bits of a fractured skull. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah. Or to ease pressure from a blood clot. I mean, they do that now. So right. That makes sense. So, the reasons that don't make sense anymore. <laughs> um, headaches, sadness, mental illness. <laughs> yeah. Um, sadness. I'm not kidding. I'm Melancholy sorry. is a prime condition that people try to treat. <laughs> How far we've come. Um, epilepsy was also another thing that they tried to treat this way. Mm-hmm. Um, some believe that whatever was inside either the sickness itself or whatever was causing it would escape through that hole in the skull. Right. Their main goal here um, for most of these, for a lot of them, um, was to try to cure mental illness mm-hmm. with the lobotomies anyway, even if it wasn't the right way. They did try. And a lot of them really did believe what they were doing. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, if, they, thing, if like, they're going to cut into people, that they thought that it was actually going to help. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty. Always. Um, so some of the methods or tools that were used for this, I'm going to go through some of those. And a lot of these were done by different surgeons throughout the evolution of the procedure. Like as it changed, the surgeons also changed because they were experimenting and trying new things. Gotcha. And that's kind of how it is with a lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about. But I didn't want to include names and a whole bunch of history behind it because I thought it might be too much. I didn't want it to be boring. It is interesting to me though. And I totally recommend the book. What I've read so far, I love it. I yeah. doubt that the rest of it's going to be much different. You just want to make sure you cover all the, yeah. all the points of it. Yeah, I want to cover mostly what was done and how it was done and why. I don't yeah. necessarily care who did it. I smell what you're stepping in. Alrighty. The first one that was done, they used a circular bone saw called a trefine. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like the woodworking tools to cut like a circle out of a piece yeah, of wood. a circular saw? I don't know. I think it's a circular saw. It might be. Mm-hmm. Well, this was a bone saw, and it was called a trefine. Oh, well. It was for the skull. So, um, this surgeon drilled into the skull near the temples with his saw, continued through the dura mater, and he, quote, scooped out parts of the cerebral cortex with, in some cases, a sharp spoon. Oh, it's not ice cream, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, I had to stop and sit for a second after reading some of these. Like, that's what he did. Like, he's just, like, scooping out, like, Mm -hmm. whoop, there goes third grade. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's, that's. Um, I will say that the patients hmm. that he did these first experiments on, uh, they were either schizophrenic or they had, like, really psychotic hallucinations. Okay. Um, So he was, he was trying to help. I really don't think that they could have consented to this, though, based on their state of mind, but it was done anyway. <laughs> well. So, I don't have information behind that, how it was, yeah. got to that point, but this was technically the first lobotomy, because mm-hmm. it actually went into the brain with this one. Um, it wasn't called that at the time, though. That term was not used till later on. Yeah. So, there's the first one. It progressed a little bit now, and then we have a procedure called the leucotomy. Leucotomy. Yes, it was named for cutting into the white matter of the brain. That's where you get the Luke. Greek word for white is Luke. 
Okay. And otomy is to cut into. Sorry. Medical terminology. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, in this one, this procedure was performed on a patient with severe depression. A hole was drilled into the patient's skull close to the top of her head and into her brain. Pure ethanol was injected to her brain to destroy, to destroy a portion of that frontal lobe. Yeah, I bet it did. Apparently, that's the same type of ethanol that is in alcohols that you drink. Mm-hmm. But it's either because it's ingested or it's mixed differently or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's but it's just pure ethanol. on your brain. Yeah, and it's not <laughs> injected. So, moving on from the injection, we come to a device called a leucotome. Leucotome. It's a small metal rod that had a wire loop inside of it. Okay. When it was inserted into your brain, still toward the top of your head... The loop would, quote, shoot out and start spinning inside your brain oh. and destroy the brain cells that way. That's, that's not okay. Well, see, their goal was to fix these patients Here? yeah, that were having these outbursts or these behavior issues that couldn't be controlled. They I thought, mean, well, I'll it, just... But, I mean, back then, they're basically going in blind, right? Yeah. That's what's so scary. Anyways, continue. Um, after that, we get to the, or another instrument. This is one that resembled a butter knife, but it was skinnier. So think like an icing spatula. Okay. But even skinnier than that. Like the offset spatula type things? Yeah, they're just like a real skinny scraper. Yeah. Like that aren't water, whatever. They're real skinny. <laughs> That's the best thing I could find. I think they're called icing spatulas. Is that right? Yeah, where it's offset. It doesn't, it's not straight from the handle. It goes down and then flat. Yes. Yeah, offset spatula. Okay, sorry. I didn't know that's what that was called. Anywho. So, with this one, they would drill holes at the temples, and then once this one was inside the brain, it was just turned in different directions. Oh, gosh. These poor people. Yeah, I I just, I feel bad because I feel like a lot of them didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. Or maybe a lot of them let them do it because they just, they wanted something to help. Or they didn't even, or they didn't even know. Yeah. Or they couldn't communicate enough to tell them no. Yeah. Um, Now we get on to the infamous ice pick. Oh. So, this one was set underneath the eyelid, above the eye, Mm-mm. and it was struck softly with a hammer until it pierced the skull and the brain. You didn't know this? I don't remember ever hearing about this. I have a thing with eyes. I don't... Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impersonating the... Or acting out. Yes. Nice picking the eyeball. Sorry. Anyway, this one was moved in each direction, up, down, side to side, and then it was done on both sides. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't like that one. That's my least favorite. There's a pretty good history behind that one, too, if you guys want to look into it. Maybe not you, Sarah, but... Quackery, everybody. <laughs> so, here are some of the complications that came from it. <laughs> there were complications? Yeah. <laughs> not screaming. Um, so, sometimes it actually helped. Oh, really? Yes, that's why they kept doing it. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a lot of these, like, it seemed to have good results. That's why it progressed. You know, like I said, it was through the evolution, tried to make it better. Yeah. But a lot of times the patients were calmer. It got rid of their hallucinations. Um, given, I feel like it was probably because your brain was damaged, but whatever. Yeah. They don't know that, though. They're just yeah. like, okay, this woman is acting hysterically, which I don't know if you guys knew that, but hysteria was an actual condition that they thought was... Yeah, anytime a woman was erratic about anything. Because their emotions were so much different, and men mm-hmm. governed so much stuff, you know? I understand they just they just didn't understand. They mm-hmm. thought something was wrong with her. <laughs> you yeah, know. It's just a hormone. So they tried to I mean, even hysteria they tried to treat, you know, and then they're like, Oh, well this woman is calmer now. Look what we've done. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't even open her eyes anymore. Look, well she stopped talking altogether. <laughs> we fixed her. Anyways, anyway. <laughs> um 
the earliest patients, this was the um, the ones that were first experimented on with the bone saw and the spoon. Mm-hmm. Um, they either experienced ongoing neurological issues, they died from lasting problems, or they committed suicide. Mm. Yep. Some patients, after they had a lobotomy, it didn't do anything, and they just ended up right back into the asylum. Some were the lucky ones. Well, as far as they know, it didn't do anything. They didn't change their behavior. Yeah. But some of them had a change in demeanor or person demeanor. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't understand it. I was not bad. I'll say that again. A change in demeanor. Some of them had a change in demeanor mm-hmm. or personality, but it was often worse than they were. Mm. Like one woman was calmer, but she was just crude with her husband a lot and like short and had an attitude. So one aspect of their personality seemed better, but another aspect of their personality seemed worse. Right. Uh-uh. Um, one patient ended up with seizures mm. and incontinence and their hallucinations continued. So, um, some of them became stuck in a vegetative state, Mm. and some died from hemorrhage. Not surprising. So, the people who received these, other than the normal people who, normal, I wouldn't say normal, but general people who received them due to the more obvious reasons, like the mental illness or something that was actually going on. Yeah. Most of them were women. Mm Mm-hmm. But they also did lobotomies on children, too. Oh, no. Yeah. So, any of... Those people who were labeled as troublesome because of a low IQ or behavior that was problematic. That is so sad. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's one thing if you have a mental illness, but just because you're a nuisance. Yeah. Anyway, so now I'm going to go over a few particularly peculiar cases. Okay. Say that slow. I did. On purpose. Particularly peculiar. Particularly peculiar. A for effort. (laughs) I'm not going to try again because I'm going to mess it up. Okay, so their youngest patient was four years old. Oh, no. I don't know what happened to that patient, but four years old. Another case, it was a 12-year-old boy named Howard Dully or Dooley. Not sure. Um, His stepmother um, despised him and convinced a doctor to perform a lobotomy. This was the doctor who ended up doing the ice picks. Uh Uh-uh. She ended up convincing him to do the lobotomy after six other psychiatrists said that he didn't even have a mental illness. Four of those psychiatrists said that she needed help. Yeah, give her the lobotomy. Shove an ice pick in her retina. Yeah. Well, this boy survived. Yay. And he ended up writing an autobiography called My Lobotomy, which I would like to look into. Yes. I might actually put a link in there if you guys want it. Would you like that? Yeah, well, I can just ask you. We'll put a link. Yeah, we'll put a link in there. Okay. <laughs> Just in case you guys want to, you don't have to go searching for it. So the last crazy case I have in this section is Rosemary Kennedy, which was John F. Kennedy's sister. Okay. I was like, I know she's like a Kennedy Kennedy. Yes. I couldn't remember. Yep, which I one. didn't know either. So John F. Kennedy's sister. Gotcha. Um, she suffered from some kind of mental illness. Um, I remember. I didn't now. know any of it. Um, I don't know what it was in the book that I used. It didn't say. Yeah. So, it just said that she suffered from mental deficiencies. Mm-hmm. As an adult, she had the intelligence of a fourth grader. Mm-hmm. She would have random outbursts of yelling or hitting, and sometimes she would just wander off alone. Oh, that's so sad. Yep. And after her lobotomy, she could no longer speak or walk, and she was put in an institution for the rest of her life. Oh, my gosh. That's awful. I know I had, I had heard that she had some, you know, kind of mental illness, but I didn't... I may have heard it somewhere, but I had no idea about the lobotomy and yeah. all of that stuff. But another thing that came from the book, it said that they would have her quote things or sing while they were doing the lobotomy, I guess, to track 
how she was doing. I don't yeah. know. I mean, they do that on Grey's Anatomy. Well, I don't know how accurate Grey's Anatomy is. Well, I feel like they do surgeries when people are awake. Yeah, for brain surgeries, I'm sure. Yeah, cognitive reflexes and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's a little after your time. Yeah. Dude. You're not quite there yet. Yep. But um, in the book, I don't, I don't know if this is word for word, but it said that um, eventually she just kind of stopped singing and that was it. Oh. Or talking, one or the other. Oh, gosh. Yep. That's so sad. Okay, so the next one we're going to talk about is bloodletting. Oh. So, a long time ago, people believed that old blood could become decayed in the body and should sometimes be removed to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I know, it's weird. Well, they didn't know that the blood actually circulates in the body. They thought it just Gosh, sat it's there. Just so crazy. I know. Um, ancient Romans, they believed that when a woman has her period, it was the body's way of clearing out toxins. That makes sense. Right. So, they thought that blood became old and needed to be removed like women did yeah. on their own. So, others thought that the four humors theory was right. Mm-hmm. So, that's where this comes in. They thought that different mental illnesses were caused by a discrepancy in the humors. And here's a quote from the book that I like. Too much blood, phlegm, yellow bile, or black bile? Purge via bleeding, vomiting, or clearing the bowels. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this is one that became a cure-all, even for a broken heart or hemorrhage. Hemorrhage oh my God. is bleeding for you guys that don't know that. <laughs> so, okay, you're bleeding. We're going to bleed you out. <laughs> you're losing a little blood in there. Let's just take all of it out. Let's just take all of it out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, at first, uh, anything sharp was used, including animal teeth, quills, and shells. Uh-huh. Those aren't the only ones, but the ones I found the most interesting. They ended up with a tool called a lancet. Um, this was a handle with a curved or pointed blade on the end. Um, they also used a fleam. Um, everybody needs a fleam yeah gosh no not me i want one um this one had several blades and it came in different sizes um it was mostly for cuts that were larger and on larger subjects such as horses so apparently they bled their animals too oh they thought something was wrong well they don't just bleed them out completely they bleed them and then stop well well, yeah but but yeah um i forgot to look up how to pronounce this one i'm gonna do the best i can and i'm pretty sure there's no other way to say it Scarificator. Scarificator? Scarificator. Scarificator. This one was a box-shaped instrument that had multiple blades on one side. Okay. Like, say, two or three rows of blades. Okay. They would also perform cupping, which is using a vacuum to extract even more blood. They do that now still. Yes, but it's not wet cupping, it's dry cupping. Oh. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) Yep. They're a little bit more conservative now. They would bleed multiple pints at a time, and sometimes for days in a row. Oh my gosh. And when you donate blood, that's about one pint of blood. Even the ones who were more conservative suggested two and a half tops. And even that makes you lightheaded. That's why they give you sugar. They make you sit down, they give you crackers, they give you something to eat and drink. And if you're not sure, if you've done it multiple times and you know how you're going to react, it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. I've done it and I don't have to really sit down. But yeah, the first time they make you sit down, drink something with sugar, eat some crackers to make sure that you're okay and you're not going to pass out. Yeah. With one pint. I would pass out. I pass (laughs) out all the time. It's my thing. All right. So now we get into another interesting topic with bloodletting. Barber surgeons. Have you ever heard of it? I have. So, in Rome, Europe, and England. um, In Rome, they were called tonsures. Tonsures. Yeah. Let me spell it for you. No. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, um, they would do all sorts of things from pulling teeth, performing amputations, cupping, and of course, bloodletting. I mean, and they would style you. Style (laughs) you too. But. And they would give you a light, a lice. 
they, they would not give you lice. I hope not. Never know. They would give you a nice new style pom- to go pompadour. with your. Is that like the old? I think so. For a guy, like the little poof pompadour. Maybe. If not, it's probably like a kind of pants. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no deal. Sorry if that's not right, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. Maybe. Oh yeah. So, um, in England, apparently they would quote smell, touch, and taste the blood to diagnose the patient. Ew. So here's a fun fact: the barber pole. This is what I knew. Was originally used to signify the work that they did, mm-hmm. to let people coming by, let them know that hey, we're also surgeons. We'll bleed you if you need it. Mm-hmm. Come on in. <laughs> so some famous patients mm-hmm. that were bled. Do you know any of these? No. Okay. I'm not. Um, Mozart. Oh. Yes. Um, he thought that he was being poisoned. I do know one. It's okay. not him, though. Okay. <laughs> um, he was experiencing headaches, weight loss, anemia, diarrhea, vomiting, and swelling. This is a quote from Mozart's sister-in-law. She said they bled him and applied cold compresses to his head, whereupon his forces visibly forsook him, and he lost consciousness, which he never recovered. It was never proven that the bloodletting caused his death, but many people think it did. Many people think so. <laughs> My bad. Are we ready to move on to the next one? Yes, I am ready. I think the bloodletting caused Mozart's death. I do too. Anyway, Marie Antoinette. I didn't know that one either. Okay. Um, she had fainted after giving birth and was woken up by bloodletting. Oh my gosh. Mm-mm. Which I guess it wasn't as a shock back then, but I was like, can you just imagine waking up at some place just taking out your blood? Yeah, it's funny because in the book, <clears throat> in the book, in the book it said, or the pain from it. Right. So they're like, oh, let's bleed her. She woke up. Oh, it worked. It's a miracle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, anyway, um, apparently there were no complications from. Sorry. We're using my our boom arms for the first time, everybody. So I can't talk hear, without my arms. I mean, little, without my. A little. <laughs> without my hands is what I meant. So I randomly over hit here. stuff. Just elbows up, side to side. <laughs> I'm trying to fly away, y'all. <laughs> uh, anyway. You know, if you hear a little ding, a little dang, a little dong, it's the boom arms. Anywho, that one wasn't a problem. Next, George Washington. That's the one I knew. Okay. <laughs> um, this was three years after he was president, or after he quit being president, actually. Um, he was having trouble breathing. Could have just been a severe cold. Mm-hmm. He was bled and given a drink of molasses, vinegar, and butter. That's disgusting. Sounds tasty. Oh. <laughs> You're <laughs> gross. <laughs> no, it does not sound tasty. I don't put that on my biscuits. So, um, they also tried blistering, which is another form of quackery that they thought, hey, let's do this. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and they tried laxatives, and then they bled him again. And the next day, he was bled again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is believed they drained, like, six pints of his blood when the average person has 12. <laughs> he died not much longer after that. Oh, George. Anywho, next category, cautery. Is that like cutting? No, that is the, like when you cauterize a wound using heat. Oh. Yeah. I knew that. My brain didn't want to go there. It's okay. Go well, to I'm going to take you there anyway. <laughs> I don't want to go. Okay. <laughs> this one was used to stop bleeding and heal wounds. Mm-hmm. Not so far off base there. But it was also used. Headaches, sadness, paralysis, general feeling of being unwell. <laughs> Even love sickness and to wake coma patients. So they would just brand them? Basically. Wake up, Johnny boy. Your head's hurting here on your head. You got a sore throat, neck. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> and waking the coma patients 
the book said he probably just woke patients that were sleeping. <laughs> but it was like, oh, look, I can wake a patient that's been in a coma. I fell asleep like 20 minutes ago. What are you doing? <laughs> okay, so um, some of the tools and methods that they used. Obviously, a long iron rod. Mm-hmm. It was placed in a fire until it was red hot and positioned wherever the ailment was. They also used oil. They would heat the oil to boiling and let it drip over the infected area to burn the tissue. Uh, um, they sometimes added acid if they felt the need for more drastic treatment. Okay. So, this one uh, is called counter irritation via cautery. Okay. So this treatment, I think that cautery in general was thought to do this, but it was thought to attract, quote, the offending sickness elsewhere so the original area can heal. So it's like moving it from one spot to another. Yeah. Okay. So you don't feel well. Well, we're going to burn you. That way, whatever's inside of you comes over here, and that can heal. So if you have a headache, we're going to burn you on your left shoulder. That way, the pain will go from your head to your left shoulder. So then, <laughs> It wasn't okay, true for all of them, though, because sometimes so they would do the place of the ailment, too. Oh, yeah, that's so true. it wasn't, I guess I Just wasn't right. Not all of things. them, but anyway, on this one, doctors would give patients multiple burns down the back. Ow. Yep. And um, patients who suffered from horrible headaches and just a feeling of not being well, they actually felt better after this. Like I don't know why. I, I don't. Um, the book speculates that it might be because more like of a placebo effect or subconsciously, yeah. I don't want to go back to that. So, yeah, I feel better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't understand either. <laughs> so, um, some complications from this one. Um, when iron was used, uh, sometimes the flesh would stick to it. <laughs> And, uh, sorry, that's not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. Um, the patients would obviously end up with larger wounds. Yeah. Because they would pull it on, pull it off. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the iron wasn't hot enough to actually cauterize the wound or burn the flesh, like, through, so it would just cause extreme pain. Gosh. Um, some people experienced fevers. Obviously, there were horrible scars. And, of course, death always seemed to be a complication. Yeah, with everything. So, and sometimes it didn't even work. So, I mean, when they used the oil, sometimes they would drip parts onto healthy skin by accident, and it caused new issues and inflammation, um, just any kind of wound that would be caused by boiling hot oil. Gosh, this is just like a hot mess. (laughs) It's exactly what it is. Uh, Most of all, it was just excruciatingly painful. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, none of these have anesthesia, so. Yeah. So now, we are going to talk about hydrotherapy and the water cure. Water. Okay. Yeah. It's not as bad. Okay, I was about to say, it doesn't sound as bad. This is a lot lighter. It's, okay. still, it's still not right. It's still quack, but yeah. So one of the main one of the main things that they claimed for the water cure was, hey, drink more water and take more baths. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> like, Wash your butt and you'll feel so much better. They didn't realize that hygiene and water intake was vital to a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, which I mean, that's true. It is I so mean, weird, though, the but time, they used like, it. You feel bad or whatever, like yeah. a nice hot shower or a nice cold shower if yeah. you've been in the sun all day. Yeah, it makes me feel better. Yep. But they just, they took these as like cures, like, look what I found. Yeah. So um, it was <laughs> used for too. wounds, colds. I think this ended up being a cure all too at the time. Um, so there's quite a few different methods here. They used a wet sheet. The sheet was drenched with cold water and it was wrapped tightly around the patient. Um, they didn't have to stand, they did lay down, so that's good. After the sheet was dry, they would start to sweat, and after sweating for a while, the sheet was removed, and the patient was put into cold water again. They seemed calmer after, but probably because they're exhausted or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, sometimes they would wear a wet dress, literally just wearing a wet dress, more of a nightgown, real thin, loose-fitting. Okay. 
and they would just wear it around, but inside of an institute dedicated to water therapy. So they weren't walking around outside with just a wet gown on. Right, because that'd be crazy. <laughs> like, it would matter, apparently. Right. I, I thought it was weird when I read that, and then I was like, well, they were inside institutions that were set up specifically for hydropathic therapy. Right. So, um, sometimes they would do a cold shower, which is self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these were focused on cold water. Um, these are some other methods that were used on psychiatric patients. Okay. Um, the first one is a cold water pour. That was where they poured cold water down the sleeves of a patient. Hmm. Okay. Yep. No idea what the reason was for that one. But anyway, this next one was called a continuous hot bath. It was a tub filled with hot water that was kept around 95 to 110 degrees. They would place a sheet over the tub with a hole cut out of it. And the patient would sit in the tub with their head sticking out of that hole. Okay. Yep. And sometimes they were in there for a few hours. Sometimes it was a few weeks. Weeks? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> seemed to actually calm patients down, but probably because they were, quote, exhausted. Yeah. So. Um, another method was drenching. They were just they would just be soaked with ice cold water. Mm-hmm. Just poured right on top of them. Um, this one, it was called the dripping machine. Okay. It was where a bucket of water was placed over the patient's head, and water would slowly drip onto one spot of their forehead. Oh, I remember Joseph actually told me about that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the Viking... Oh, my bad. One of the Viking shows that I watched portrayed that as like a way of torture. Yeah, I think the Chinese in China, they did that as torture. Yes, they did. Yeah, so I don't know why it was used as a treatment option, so-called, whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so the only famous person I have on this one was Charles Darwin. Oh, really? Yep. Just water therapy in general, not any of, not, okay. I don't know about a specific one. Um, but people now believe he suffered from Crohn's disease. He had like a lot of issues going on at the time. They didn't know what was wrong. Yeah. But he thought highly of hydrotherapy because it, quote, dulls one's brain splendidly. So, like, it just makes me not feel a thing. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can't be too upset if you have, have no emotions. Yeah, if you have nothing in your head to think about. Yeah, so that he didn't think about species for something, however long of time. So, now we're on to surgery. Bye. This one's one of my favorites. Your favorites? Yes. Okay. Um, at this time, no anesthesia. Right. Um, surgeries were performed in operating theaters. Theaters. Yes, with spectators. Germs and bacteria hadn't been discovered at the time. Gloves weren't used because of this reason. They didn't know. Instruments weren't cleaned. They were only rinsed off. Sometimes. Oh my gosh. Right? Um, surgeons didn't wash their hands or clean up most of the time either. A surgeon's coat was regularly stiff with so much blood, and it showed that he was a, quote, good surgeon. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I want that guy to do my surgery because his coat is basically red. Is that with not With, like, strange? 83 other patients, so that means he's got this yep. in the bag. Oh, my gosh. That's really weird. Yeah. All right, so uh, amputation. The patient was held down, and a tourniquet was tied above the amputation site. Mm-hmm. Remember, no anesthesia. A curved blade was used to cut through down to the bone. A saw was used to cut through the bone. Okay. And there's an illustration that pictures an actual saw, like what you would use for like a tree or a branch. So, um, the wound was cauterized sometimes, and sometimes it was stitched up. Mm-hmm. This one's interesting. Ants were used as sutures in at least India. Ants? Yes. They were placed where the wound was, and after they bit down on the skin, their bodies were removed. So, like, their heads were left, and they were pinching the skin together. How, how do you, how do they, how they, do they, <laughs> how? 
what are you trying to ask me here? Ants, ants yes. are, are, they're fast. So how do I they? I don't know. I don't they know. They probably hold it, maybe. Maybe get little tweezers and hold the ant there. And then when I they bite it, just. I just that was a stupid question. Let's move on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, though. Like, can you imagine, like, a little laceration to just be at ant heads? No. Anyway, uh, okay. I, I have a thing for ants. I <laughs> okay. was little one time and got covered in them, and I, I yeah. Mm-mm. All right, so the next one is attempted cures for stuttering. I, I mean, I need that. <laughs> um, they would cut the frenulum. That is the little piece of skin that connects <gasps> your tongue to the bottom of your mouth. Mm-mm. Okay. What's it called? Frenulum. Frenulum. Oh, okay. Oh, my frenulum. <laughs> I was going to say it, but I didn't. Um, they would try to resize the tongue. Yeah, that piece. She's over here pulling on it, making sure it's still there, I guess. Don't tell her I have fingers in my mouth. <laughs> That's not sanitary. Anyway, they would uh, also try to cut a piece of the top of the tongue, mm, okay. like a triangular shape, and obviously none of these worked. So, like, that's just something uh, they thought that's they like needed the, cure. That's like the Achilles heel of your yeah. mouth. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, to help a patient who had a stroke, one surgeon tied off the carotid artery. <laughs> right? I'm sorry, that's not funny. Um, that patient survived miraculously. Wow. But he also suggested tying off both. <laughs> arteries wow and apparently nobody took up to that thank goodness i'm glad somebody questioned that process so another issue called auto intoxication which was not real (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it was a belief that our waste was toxic to our health Mm -hmm. like we didn't need it um there was a surgeon who removed the whole colon which only led to prolonged diarrhea poor patient oh my lord and they you know they didn't have indoor plumbing back then yeah. I don't know how far back, but sometimes they just would buck it and just dump it out the window. Yeah. Mm-mm. So, like, that's kind of what I was saying. Like, a lot of these are different surgeons, different theories, experiments, yeah. stuff like that. So, another one that was done a lot was to treat childhood infections. Oh. Um, they removed tonsils, and that was thought to help any infection. Instead of now, when it's actually for certain reasons and actually does help. But, you know, back then, surgery was not what it is now, and a lot of children actually died from the surgery. Yeah. Crazy instances from surgery. I like this one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Sort of. (laughs) There was a surgeon named Dr. Liston who performed amputations. Um, He prided himself on how fast he was. Like, they would time him. It was in these operating theaters and everything. Once, he accidentally cut off one patient's testicles. What was he trying to cut off? Probably his leg. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Sorry, I was going for the right arm and somehow... (laughs) Just yeah. slipped. Um, during another surgery, he cut off his assistant's fingers. She was the one who normally held the mm-hmm. amputated, or the limb that was going to be amputated. She ended up dying from gangrene. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah, that ain't no joke. During the same surgery. Oh, my gosh. He cut the coat of one of the spectators, and that guy evidently died from terror. Like, he just dropped dead. I don't know if he had a heart attack or what. Yeah. But, um, and the patient didn't make it either. Good grief. So, he killed three people? Yeah, three people in one surgery. 300% mortality rate for one surgery. Yeah, brag about that, sir. <laughs> yeah. Anywho. Um, Dr. List, List, Liston. Liston. Yes. So, James Garfield, our 20th president. Okay, I was about to say that name sounds familiar. How horrible. <laughs> I'm not good with presidents. Um, he had a bullet wound, which was non-lethal, by the way. Oh, gosh. Um, surgeons worked with unclean hands and tools. He ended up dying because of an infection that developed in his wounds and that caused further complications. Lovely. So, yeah. Here we go. 
on to the next section. Anesthesia. Oh. Finally. Will be interesting. They finally, oh, they finally get it. Yay. Yay, after all this. Um, <laughs> Yay. But the road to finding a safe anesthetic was a long one. I bet. They tried opium, marijuana, mandrake, hemlock, and henbane, which are all poisonous plants. They also had a trial of different gases. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Hmm. <laughs> Each one of these was tested by a different person, a physician or a scientist or just a, a founding father trying to figure out what they can use. The first one was carbon dioxide. It worked, but mostly caused death. So, like, they would fall asleep, but uh-huh, that's it. Yeah, like, you're not going to know if it really worked unless they wake up. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was never actually used in any surgeries, though, as far as I know. Okay. But it was only ever tested on puppies. Yeah, he tested on puppies. Uh, chloroform. This one was inhaled by a physician and his friends to test it. <laughs> Apparently, That's not- what everybody's going to say now, like. I wasn't huffing gas. We were testing it to see if it was for anesthesia. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Anywho, uh, they started laughing and talking a lot, and then they passed out. Um, they tried it more than once to see if they could get the same outcome. Um, they started manufacturing things with chloroform in them, such as lozenges, licorice, and cough syrup, claimed to cure even tuberculosis. I don't think that's going to work uh, for other diseases of the lungs until people started dying. Yeah. And they called it Sudden Sniffer's Death, which is funny in itself. Um, They would die from heart arrhythmias or heart failure or respiratory failure. It was also toxic to the liver and kidneys. Mm -hmm. No on that one. (laughs) So now we're going to move on to nitrous oxide, which, as we know, this one is actually still used. So Mm -hmm. got something right. It's also known as laughing gas. Mm-hmm. It was discovered as a painkiller and was tested during a tooth extraction, and they found that the procedure was painless. They started putting together these breathing contraptions to disperse the gas evenly to the patients. However, the first one didn't work quite right. The gas wasn't delivered effectively, possibly a faulty device, and the patient ended up filling everything. Oh, gosh. Yeah. This one was kind of put on the shelf at the time, but then it was eventually adopted later, and obviously it's now widely used. The now. correct way. Yes. Now we're going to move on to ether, and this is actually the last one. All righty. So just to kind of give you guys a heads up, the end is coming. The end is coming. Of the episode. episode. (laughs) Anywho, this was discovered as a numbing agent after dropping a bit onto the gums of patients before pulling a tooth. Another patient had a neck tumor removed while he was asleep under ether, or I guess he was passed out under ether, whatever. He wasn't awake. Yeah. Um, But the procedure was painless. So, after this procedure, it became utilized in many surgeries. But, here are some drawbacks. Hmm. Obviously. Ether was flammable. Right. It caused nausea and vomiting, and it actually irritated the lungs. Mm-hmm. Which was odd, because it was claimed to help cure lung diseases. <laughs> right. All the claims. It ended up being advertised as a treatment for all kinds of nonsense. From diarrhea to menstrual cramps. Once again, a cure-all for everything. I don't know like why they, they did do. that. I don't know why they did that. Um, It also started to be consumed as a recreational drug. Some people died, obviously. Some just woke up with injuries that they didn't know how they got. Yeah. Which is kind of being drunk, but still. So here's a crazy story. Uh, One man smoked tobacco while using ether, and a bystander said, quote, One day after a dose of it, he went to light his pipe, and the fire caught his breath and took fire inside. (gasps) Yeah. He was, like, burning from the inside? On the inside. The hot uh, chick. Uh, Anyways. Yep. Ooh. Man, that's so, really jacked up. So this one's funny. 
It was given to some patients to cure alcoholism. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. No. <laughs> oh, Lord. Exchanging one addictive chemical for another one. Right. It was eventually classified as a poison. Yeah. Good job. Finally. In Britain, I think. My last quote says, Good thing, too. Besides being addictive, flammable, and occasionally deadly, ether caused some pretty profound burping, hiccuping, and noxious farting. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants all that, man. And that's it, guys. I mean, there's a lot more detail that I didn't put in here, but... I liked that episode. That's all of the quackery I have for today. (laughs) I really liked this I liked that. I thought it was interesting. I knew bits and pieces of some stuff, but a lot of it I was like, no, no. I mean, all of it. I was like, no. Yeah, but. I think it's crazy how they thought that any of these could be used for everything. You're sad? Let's drain your blood. <laughs> Let's give you some burn marks. What? <laughs> I don't get it. But anywho, yeah, that's it. I'm going to come back with more, though, y'all. Yeah. Not next time. I'm going to give it a break, but. I'm going to come back with some, too. Yeah. I'm excited for hers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you have any thoughts on today's episode or any other episode slash case, uh, theories, Case suggestions or topics. We actually got our first case suggestion from a listener named Rusty. I'm assuming he's from Australia based on what he suggested us do. So, Rusty, we got you and we will cover it yes, fairly soon. Thank we you for the suggestion, yes, by the way. Thank you. That makes us happy. You can email all those to relativelydarkpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and we also have Facebook. Yes, we have a Facebook group now and everything is under Relatively Dark Podcast. Yes. Give us a follow, give us a like, give us a rate-ing, rate, rate us, whatever. Something. <laughs> tell tell all, all your bodies about us. So. Please. Please. Bye, guys. Thank you. Give a gift. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.